Monday means Monday pun day on the inner life. I was especially groggy when I got up this morning, so instead of my usual coffee, I accidentally drank a whole bottle of invisible ink. Now I'm at the hospital waiting to be seen. Helping you grow deeper on your spiritual journey. Welcome to The Inner Life with Patrick Conley. Welcome to The Inner Life. This is the show that's all about spiritual direction, helping you grow closer to the Lord with the help of our excellent spiritual directors. My name is Patrick Conley. Well, first and foremost, friends, a huge thank you to all of our very generous listeners. In last week's Pledge Drive, you helped us reach and even exceed our $3 million need. Thank you so much. I hope you know how grateful I am and indeed all of us here at Relevant Radio are. And just one more note, of course, there's still time to join the family by making a tax-deductible donation of any amount on RelevantRadio.com, on the Relevant Radio app, or by calling 877-291-0123. And again, thank you so much. So question for you. Do you remember someone teaching you how to pray either as a kid or as a teenager, as a young adult? Was it mom or dad or maybe a religion teacher? And when I ask that question, I don't only mean people introducing you to specific prayers, but actually giving you instruction on not just what to pray, but also how to pray. And to be honest, I can't quite recall being taught how to pray as a child. Although I seem to remember my mom, may she rest in peace, helping me understand that prayer is just conversation with God and that I don't need to use flowery language or other formalities. I just need to talk with God as if he's right there beside me, which, in fact, he is. Now, being a religion teacher and trying to help kids encounter and go closer to the Lord Jesus myself in this place, I find myself wanting to help them grow in their practice of prayer, just as many of you who are parents do. Our topic for today is teaching young people to pray. And joining us as our spiritual director for the very first time is Father Tim Anastas. Father Tim is a priest of the Archdiocese of Chicago and associate chaplain at the St. John Paul II Newman Center at the University of Illinois, Chicago. Father Tim, welcome to The Inner Life. Great to have you with us. Patrick, so great to be here. This is this is really awesome. I'm happy to, I am, to help I am out grateful. and talk with you. Grateful for the opportunity, and since this is your first time on the program, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I, uh, yeah, I've been a priest here in Chicago for six years. Um, I'm in my six-year priesthood and grew up around a little town in Illinois called Mundelein. Um, and yeah, and so I actually grew up right across the street from Mundelein Seminary right there. Um, as a kid, I never really thought about being a priest, but um, me and my friends, we used to sneak into the seminary and go fishing there. And there were a few <laughs> times that the, the priest would chase us out and like tell us we, we can't be there and stuff. And then, you know, later on, so those same priests who I remember, they welcomed me in as, as a yeah. seminarian and future priest. <laughs> so, yeah, grew up uh, in Mundelein, went to Carmel High School, went to University of Illinois and studied linguistics. And it, when I was there at University of Illinois, I got involved with the Newman Center, and that's where I really began to um, take the Catholic faith um, for my own and, and really was convicted by the truth of the Catholic Church, which led to a like, love for the Eucharist. And just it was definitely the Lord uh, really calling me to be his priest. Wow. So, um, yeah. yeah. 
said yes in college um, to the priesthood. And then after I graduated, I went to Mundelein for two years. Um, after two years, I got sent to uh, Rome to the North American College to finish up my studies there. Came back, got ordained in 2017. Um, then my first assignment was at a place called a parish called Mary Seat of Wisdom in Park Ridge, Illinois. So I was there for three years. And then um, my current assignment is here at the Newman Center, working working with college kids every single day. So it's nice, Patrick, to be able to talk to a normal adult for, for once. This is great. So well, you. I will claim the adult status. I don't know about the normal thing. <laughs> I got to say, one of the things that uh, struck me as you were saying, when you're telling about sneaking into Monoline Seminary to go fishing mm. there and the priest chasing you out, I thought you said that you were going to say that the priest came up to you and said, I will make you fishers of men. I thought right. that's what you was know, I wish right that now. they said that. No, they were <laughs> not happy with us. <laughs> well, my guess is that's what happened anyway. And so the Lord was certainly speaking to you even in those early years. So <laughs> whether or not Amen. we were paying attention. And that's kind of what we're focused on today, right? Is is right. Uh, growing in our practice of prayer and helping uh, young people, so kids, youth, young adults, helping them learn how to pray. And that's something that I think is, uh, you know, absolutely staple as we continue to look to hand on the faith to the next generation. And I'm thinking, Father, just young people, especially those in the high school and college age range, they're, I mean, this is pretty critical. You're working with college students all the time. I know you've seen that. I've worked with college students. I'm right now working with a lot of high schoolers. So how do you think this, the biblical story of, say, of the rich young man uh, specifically, Mm -hmm. um, I'm thinking about that maybe it connects with the kinds of questions and desires that you see young people and, and the things that they're asking about. Absolutely. And I, I love how you use that passage, the rich young man, um, for those who don't know, like the, in the gospel, um, a young man comes up to Jesus and wants to know what it, like, what do I do to get eternal life? Right. Um, and then Jesus says, you, yeah, you got to give up everything. Um, go, sell all you have and give it to the poor. Um, and so then, you know, invites him to come and follow him. The young man um, goes away sad uh, because it said he had a great many possessions. And I think that's incredibly appropriate for high school kids, college kids who um, experience something very similar. Um, they have many possessions, but they don't go away sad because they have many possessions. They're, they're going away sad Um because they haven't been invited by the Lord. Um, and with their many possessions, they're just not fulfilled. Like there's this thing within the heart of young people where they are, they, we live very, very comfortable lives. We have a lot of stuff and um, everything is kind of catered to us. Um, and with young people, they have that, but yet with all of the things that they have, they are not satisfied. Um, there is this restlessness with young people. And um, if they don't know the Lord, if they haven't been asked to follow him, then they're just going to continue to fill themselves up with other things. Um, And so, especially being here at a Newman center, um, the, the great, the great resources that we can give them is, is Jesus and is the sacraments and the things that are eternal that can truly fulfill them. And once they begin to be satisfied by Jesus, then, there, there really isn't turning back. Um, mm-hmm. So it's, I, I think, first and foremost, it's helping these young people to recognize that 
there are things that are not, there are things that will truly satisfy them. Um, And sometimes it's hard. Yeah. Well, and that's kind of what I was thinking of too, Father, is that uh, it it seems to me that there's, you know, there are a lot of options out there that young people will do to try to fulfill them, to reach out to, try to utilize. And heck, that's true for adults as well. But I'm thinking specifically in terms of, again, kind of the middle school, high school, college age, that uh, there's many things that appeal to them and they appeals to their passions, right? Uh, appeals to either making them feel good or making them, you know, to, drawing right. them into a situation of comfortability. Prayer doesn't seem, maybe, uh, maybe now, <laughs> prayer prayer to them yeah. may not seem like the most engaging or the most uh, exciting pastime. So what do you do to appeal to them to say that, you know what, it's really worthwhile learning how to pray? Right. That begins with, well, there are many things that, that are going on in the hearts of young people. Um, and one of the ways that at least... Um, we help to evangelize and help students to pray um, and to love prayer because yeah, prayer can be boring if you don't know what you're doing. Um, Most young people, they go through catechism, they go through religious ed and they learn how to repeat and they don't learn how to pray. They learn how to repeat prayers, memorize prayers, but they don't actually know how to share their heart with the Lord, which is the thing that satisfies. Um, And so First and foremost, one of the things that really, really helps is to have peers, to have friends who have a prayer life, who have encountered Jesus, and then can say, well, actually, follow me. Let me show you how I pray to Jesus. Let me show you my relationship with the Lord and how um, it makes me more alive. Um, We have uh, focused missionaries here on campus at UIC. Um, For those who don't know, Fellowship of Catholic University students recently graduated um, college kids who um, are full-time missionaries on college campuses, befriending students and leading them closer to the Lord through friendship. And so there's something so powerful about having a friend, having a peer, um, tell them about Jesus. Mm. Because any parent who is listening, you probably have experienced this, where you tell your kids something, you tell them to do something, and they may not like believe you or want to do that thing, but then a friend will say the same thing and ask them to do the same thing. And they're like, yeah, of course, no problem. Yeah. Like they listen to their peers in a different way. I could give the greatest homily ever to some of the college kids, <laughs> but if one of my focused missionaries says uh, something similar, they're like, oh yeah, totally. I'm, I'm in, I'm in. Let me, let me pray. Let me do this mm. thing. So um, yeah. So, Friendship in Christ is a huge, huge help. Yeah, it's a powerful reminder. Thank you for that, Father. We're talking today about teaching young people to pray with our spiritual director, Father Tim Anastas, and we're breaking into the realm of trying to break into the realm of the minds of uh, young people. Again, middle school, high school, college age, who are you know surrounded by so many influences, and trying to help to understand what are the best ways of helping them to get to to know how to pray. Who taught you how to pray? Do you have any questions maybe about how to teach young people to pray and how have you helped young people to pray? Give us a call and join the conversation on our toll-free studio line, 888-914-9149, sponsored by the Catholic Order of Foresters. Again, it's 888-914-9149. Our email address, if you'd prefer to send us an email, is innerlife at relevantradio.com. Father, 
just in the terms of that whole friendship idea, that peer uh, who is telling them about their relationship with the Lord, their um, the things that they can do to encourage one another, do you then try to take up a role in mentoring those, say, the focus missionaries or other young people who are in that state of mentoring, of evangelizing, of sharing the faith with their peers? Absolutely. And that's, I, in a very, very uh, concrete um, way, I get to be a dad. You know, I get to be um, a father to these students. Um, before I was here at the Newman Center, I was at um, just a, a big suburban parish. And as a very young priest, sometimes it's hard for, and rightly so, I totally understand, um, for people to really see you as a father, to see me as a father, since I'm just so young. And most of the people at the parish are older than me. Um, and so growing into fatherhood is a little more difficult, but um, being here at the Newman Center where everyone is younger than me, um, uh, I've, I've really gotten gotten to embrace uh, fatherhood and to be a dad of the students. And what's wonderful is like, because this is a family, because there are brothers, sisters, friends, um, father figures, mother figures um, here at the Newman Center, it, it is so organic and familial where we are all teaching each other, yeah, how to pray and how to grow in a relationship with the Lord. Mm-hmm. Um, we use, I love the, the model that Focus uses when it comes to evangelizing and teaching how to pray. Um, you may have heard this. It's kind of a three-part process. Win, build, send. Mm-hmm. So the idea first is, yeah, you, you need to win a student's heart over. I mean, that's that's what Jesus did, to be able to win someone over, to show that they, they feel loved around this person, um, that they are loved, that they are seen, that they are known. That's what students, that's what anyone wants, really. Um, every young person wants to be seen. They want to know that they are unique, that they, that they matter, that they are known, that someone really knows my heart, someone really understands me. And they have, and they don't reject me for who I am, um, and then that they're loved, that they actually are loved by another person. Um, and what do we do when we don't have Jesus, who sees us, knows us, and loves us? We take, we just consume everything that makes us feel that way. So sex, money, drugs, all those things, sure. um, because it, deep down we just want to be seen and known and loved and desired. So that's the first thing, to win, to win that person over, to know that they are seen, loved, and known. Um, Second thing, to build. So building, this is exactly what the Newman Center does. We have all of the sacraments at the disposal for the students. Um, We have confession for an hour every day. And then, you know, I'm walking around all So students will just come up and ask if they can have confession. Um, But we have it for an hour a day. We have mass every day. We have adoration in front of the blessed sacrament every day. Um, and so we have that as well as formation opportunity to yeah be formed to know the Catholic faith. So that's the building we have, you know, the students um, lead their own Bible studies, the focus missionaries lead Bible studies to grow um, in their knowledge of scripture. So the Newman Center is, is building up the, the, the truth of the faith in their hearts. Yeah. So win, build, and then send. Send is the last one to be to be able to to be sent out. That you're now confident in your relationship with Christ. You have a prayer life. You are fully alive in Jesus, and now you can share that with you with your friends. And and it's just it builds on top of each other. So we have students now who 
who were in a Bible study and now they're leading Bible studies with five or six other people. So it's just exponential growth. It's awesome. I mean, I think it sounds fantastic and it's a great model, certainly. And there's anywhere where we're encouraged to engage first and foremost, of course, with the Lord, but then to share our experiences with that with others. That's a great way of setting an example. And you were talking about fatherhood there. And my mind goes to to physical, biological fathers, adoptive fathers, those who have children in their homes. And uh, what would you say is the role of setting an example in prayer for kids? And this could be even for, for very young kids as well. I mean, I think it's important, and I always try to encourage, say, my CCD parents to be praying before meals at home or something like that. But what about this more maybe spontaneous, extemporaneous, conversational type of prayer and engagement with the Lord in maybe some less formal ways? What would you say about the role of that, Father? Right, absolutely. Um just as soon as you said that, like the, what comes to my mind is just how, like how my dad lived a prayer life that really encouraged me and helped me to grow in, in being confident in my faith that, oh, <laughs> prayer isn't just something that um, an old lady does. Prayer, my dad actually prays. Like yeah. seeing my dad kneel <laughs> and prays, like there's something more important than my dad out there. Wow, that's crazy. Um, even now as a priest, um, where sometimes he calls me father, um, every time I visit my parents, when I leave, my dad makes a sign of the cross on my forehead before I I come back to the Newman center. Um, and it's so powerful because here's my dad who realizes that there's something greater than him. Um, and there, there have been so many studies done on college kids who, um, remain faithful to the Catholic faith in college. Um, and they've done a lot of studies where the more students, college kids um, embrace the faith, it has a lot to do with the fact that their fathers were prayed and they saw their dads pray hmm. um, even more than seeing their mothers pray, not saying anything against mothers. We need our moms to pray and to have a relationship with the Lord, but there is something very, very special very, very different about having, um, and especially a little kid witnessing their dad um, on their knees praying. Um, yeah, it was, it's an yeah, important thing. Really, really powerful. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's an important thing, and uh, just to see that you see f- parents who are such a huge influence, especially early early on in life and in setting the example for kids. But we also see that from. From our teachers, from uh, from our peers, as you were mentioning, Father, lots of influences that we have all over the place there. But there are other influences as well, which we'll try to tackle a little bit, too, after right. we come back from our first break. Again, we're talking about teaching young people to pray. Who taught you to pray? How are you helping others to learn how to pray? Do you have any tips for us to encourage how, how to get the young people in our lives to pray? Give us a call at 888-914-9149. Again, 888-914-9149. or send us an email, innerlife at relevantradio.com. More to come on the show right after this short break. Stay with us. Today, we'd like to thank Deborah, who is listening in California, for donating her 1986 Volkswagen Jetta. You can join thousands of other listeners in donating old vehicles, trucks, boats, and RVs by visiting RelevantRadio.com slash car. That's RelevantRadio.com slash car. 
Welcome back to The Inner Life here on Relevant Radio and the RelevantRadio.com and the Relevant Radio app. Wherever you happen to be listening, we are grateful for you and your continued support. Again, thank you for all of you who joined the family last week during our our fall pledge drive, last one of the year, and uh, helped us meet and exceed our need. Thank you so much for that. We're talking today about teaching young people to pray with our spiritual director, Father Tim Anastas, who's, uh, in addition to being the uh, associate chaplain of the St. John Paul II Newman Center at the University of Illinois, Chicago. He's also a Eucharistic revival preacher. And uh, just a quick note, just remember, you can check out relevantradio.com slash encounter for travel packages to the upcoming Eucharistic Congress next year, as well as Father Rocky's Eucharistic Encounter videos as well. Father, just a quick detour from our topic about that. How's that been going, the Eucharistic Revival preaching? Man, it's, thanks for asking, Patrick. It's, it's been awesome. Uh, yeah. I, you know, as, a, as a preacher, I've been able to go to many, many different dioceses and just see so much hope, see so much uh, like devotion to the Eucharist um, mm. that there really is a revival going on. Um, and I was just at a parish here in Chicago where actually a group of group of older people came up to me and they were kind of distraught on just state of the church and how they don't see a lot of people um, who have a like real devotion to the Eucharist. And in, in that moment, I felt so encouraged to be able, I, I just felt jo- so joyful to be able to share with them the hope that I've seen. Yeah. Um, because most people, they don't get to see what I see. Um, mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I've been able to just a couple weeks ago, I was in Florida for the Diocese, um, Diocese of Venice, Venice's Eucharistic Congress. Um, hundreds, hundreds of people who came. Wow, a couple months before good. that, I was uh, in Orange County um, with all young adults. It was a grassroots young adult. Uh, Eucharistic revival that it wasn't sponsored by any diocese. It was just like these 500 young adults from all around Orange County, California. Wow. Praise who God for that. Wanted to, yeah, yeah, it was amazing. So just seeing, seeing how there really is a revival going on um, oh. is so beautiful. It's going to be, it's going to, I mean, it is great. And thanks be to God for these wonderful things, but it's going to be great to be together with all of this fervor, with all this devotion right. to the Eucharist next summer in July. Again, relevantradio.com slash encounter for some of our travel packages. Thanks to Nativity Pilgrimage, who have put together some great packages for travel to the Eucharistic Congress in July of 2024 in Indianapolis. Well, Father, back to the topic at hand in teaching young people to pray. You know, we are learning, obviously, a lot about the Eucharistic Congress, and we can learn about, uh, about a whole number of things related to our Catholic faith. Through digital technology, through there's a lot of online resources right now. There's social media that has, uh, you know, kind of captured the minds and probably maybe a little too much of our attention, right? And I'm right, just wondering, right. in terms of in terms of learning how to pray, do you see any specifically really helpful ways in which digital technology and or social media can be helpful in that? Definitely, absolutely. Um, I I just because of my own personality and uh how i am living my priesthood i don't have like personal social media um just because i feel like it takes away from um, my ministry however that being said i um help out um with i don't know if you've ever heard of a company called spiritual studios 
Mm. It's a Catholic media group who um, does a lot of media, especially on, on social media. So Instagram, YouTube, and I give a one minute homily um, every week called Real Homilies, R-E-E-L, that makes its way to Instagram. So if anyone has young people who want, yeah, who, who need like an, a minute long homily for the Sunday, um, yeah, look up <laughs> Real Homilies um, on Spirit Juice. Um, because the the thing is, I mean, I, I got to be at Mundelein Seminary when I was in pre-theology under the then Father Robert Barron, who was the rector at Mundelein at the time. Sure, right. And every, I feel like he was totally ingraining in us um, the, the goodness of digital technology and social media as a good medium um, for evangelization. Um, and I definitely tend to agree with him. It, it really is good. Yeah. Um, and the, I mean, just imagine St. Paul, like St. Paul, who was, I mean, he is the evangelist mm-hmm. of the faith and just imagine if he had social media, imagine if he had, um, like digital technology to be able to sure. share like his love of Christ. Um, <laughs> I, I totally think he would have, he would have taken it over, you know, uh, but the, I guess the thing is that the, the issue that I see, um, but it's also an advantage as well, is what's called the algorithm. Um, it is the most harmful thing, but also it could be the greatest thing. The algorithm, um, when it comes to social media, the algorithm just knows what we want um, through our, our search history, through like what we want to flip through, through what we buy. Like everything is like in this algorithm that shows us, oh, here's what you what you should look at. Here is what you should want. Right. Um, and that could be really, really good or it could be really, really bad. Um, mm-hmm. I had a very, I don't know, it was a, it was a very difficult moment for me when um, basically I was helping uh, someone very close to me out with um, adding in my Spirit Juice Instagram real homilies into their into their Instagram typing it in. And if you ever, if you, anyone has Instagram, you know that when you put in um, a search thing on Instagram, there's three grids of three that come up grids of the things that um, the algorithm algorithm is saying, you should look at this. Yeah. And all, all of those suggestions were unfortunately women in bikinis. Oh, wow. Um, Really? Huh? Yeah. And it was just a very, very, it, it, it hurt my heart, but it showed the reality of what the algorithm can be at its worst. Mm-hmm. That, yeah, if if a person is struggling in some way with something, um, if a young person is just seeking love in the wrong ways, then the algorithm can show that. And it can just be a very, very deep spiral. Yeah. However, the, the goodness of the algorithm is that yeah, when you are filling yourself up with things that are good and true and beautiful, that if you're watching, you know, homilies and, and um, you know, catechesis on the faith, just things that are good and true and beautiful, then the algorithm will show you those things and that you can go even deeper into the good and true and beautiful, the transcendentals. So that's, I think, a great advantage of the algorithm, um, but right. we, we need to use it well. 
and we will link spiritjuice.org in the in the show notes uh, for anybody who's interested Order. in checking that out. It sounds great, and we can see you and some of our other Eucharistic preachers on uh, one-minute homilies, which sounds very wonderful as well. <laughs> we have one-minute homilies. Let's take a phone call, Father. We've got Annette who's calling in from Austin, Texas. Annette, welcome to The Inner Life. Thanks for calling. Thank Hi, you. Annette. Hi. Hi there. I, I just wanted to comment um, and say that I— completely agree with what you've mentioned already about how important the fathers are when it comes to our children's faith. Um, mm-hmm. My husband is not Catholic, um, but, you know, we our son is baptized and, and communion, and he's still little. But um, my husband does, um, he does say prayers with us in the morning and in the evening, and it does matter. I see that. Uh, we say grace together as a family, and it matters. He comes to Mass with us, and it matters. I see the change, you know, in my little boy, um, and he'll ask questions sometimes, you know, how come Dad doesn't, you know, go up for communion? And and we'll have a discussion about that, but he sees that Dad is trying, and that his Daddy is on a journey, but he believes in God, and he prays with us, and we will do a Litany of Saints together. Um, and like I said, it, it, it really matters. And then the other thing that, that I do with my little boy, um, you know, as, as a mom, is we will pray a decade of the rosary together because Our Lady is a powerful intercessor, and we know that, and, and she's taught me to be patient and, and not try to drag my husband into the faith, you know, and right, that's something right. I, I really our lady has done for our family. So just praying at least a decade of the rosary, especially with the little ones, um, I I think it just makes a huge difference and impact on our family. Wow, Annette, thank you so much for sharing that. And that's so beautiful that even though your husband is not Catholic, he's he loves what you love. And that's so huge, especially like as I remember as a kid, like seeing like my dad loved what my mom loved, like her hobbies and the, the things that she she did. Like he took interest in them and he loved them. And so to see that there's such an openness in his heart for that, that's so beautiful. Mm. It is. A, it's a great testimony, actually. Thank you, Annette. Thanks for that call and that testimony. I, it's a great and it's a great encouragement, I think, too, which leads me to ask, Father, uh, and it just kind of points out, right, that dads or moms, for that matter, that we don't need to be experts in prayer. We don't need to, you know, have all these, all this theological and catechetical knowledge and everything. But that seems to pale in comparison to the actual, I'm doing it, right? I'm jumping in. I am, I am praying. Right. Yeah. It is so important to be able to just have first and foremost, like a a love for what the other is doing. And um, just, I guess, an openness, like once you have an openness in your heart, then the Lord can work. The issue is when, um, you, you know, you experience a hardness of heart where I'm just not even going to entertain um, prayer. I'm not even going to entertain this new thing. I'm not in it, especially with men. I'm not going to entertain even being a, a bit vulnerable um, because that shows that I'm weak. <laughs> Um, when in reality it shows that no, I'm I'm open to the Lord's love because yeah, there the reality is I am weak and I need the Lord and that will make me stronger. Yeah. 
not necessarily what our society would tell a lot of people uh, that you know Absolutely you need to right. in order to be a leader, right, or a mentor or something like that. You got to be ironclad. You know, you can't show, can't let any of your vulnerabilities or weaknesses show. But it's right there. You know, Scripture tells us. Saint told Saint Paul, the Lord told Saint Paul that in their, in his in Saint Paul's weakness, that's when God was in his strength. Talking about you teaching young people how to pray today. If you have tips for how to teach young people how to pray. If you have, uh, if you remember, maybe you remember how who taught you how to pray as a young person. I'd like to give them a shout out. We welcome that at triple eight nine one four nine one four nine again eight 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 nine one four nine one four nine. Father, let's get into some of the I some of just tips. Are there practical things that you would suggest either for young people themselves, and this is how you could go deeper in prayer, or even just begin in praying, or uh, or tips for those of us who are trying to teach young people how to pray and things that we can we can uh, follow through on as well. Right. Yeah. Thank you. Great question. Um, I think especially when it comes to young people, first, honestly, the first and foremost thing that I see when it comes to prayer is the fact that uh, you don't go <laughs> and you don't show up. Um, so many students have al- already have this desire to pray, a desire to take their faith seriously, um, a desire just to, yeah, to have a relationship with the Lord. But um, because of a lack of maturity, a lack of um, having a well-ordered life, showing up is like the hardest part. Um, and so a lot of the teaching um that and just walking with students here at the Newman Center, a lot of it begins with having them just show up to adoration or show up to the chapel for 20, 30 minutes um, to be able to sit in front of Jesus in the Eucharist or sit in front of scripture and actually commit to it. Um, that's when the Lord begins to work um, because the Lord is already pursuing us. He's already running after us. He's ready to work in our hearts, but we have to just say yes and to, to show up. So that, that's the first and foremost thing. I think it was, I think it was Wes Anderson or it was some famous um, director. He said 80% of success is just showing up. Yeah. Right. Um, and so you can see that when it comes to Sunday mass, like the church is so wise and simple in a way, just saying, yeah, just come to mass on Sunday, just show up. And the Lord will do the rest of the work, um, you, but you just need to go, you know. So that's the first and foremost thing. Second thing is um, when it comes to prayer, uh, consistency, um, to be able to be consistent. Um, you see this, especially with young people and any kind of relationship, um, even dating relationships. Um, I was just talking to um, a couple and one of the the girl basically was saying how um, her boyfriend like had this awesome um, date night planned for her um, on Saturday. And then um, he basically just ghosted her for the rest of the week. Didn't really talk to her, didn't text her, didn't do anything um, and thought that everything was okay. Um, And then they hung out the next weekend Um, and she was like, this is not a good relationship. Um, Yeah. He, we had a great date night, but uh, a whole week went by and he didn't talk with me. Um, and we can, a lot of young people can have that same mentality when it comes to Jesus that, yeah, I, okay, I'll, I'm going to intensely pray for like on Sunday and I'm going to go to mass and then I'm just going to ghost Jesus for the rest of the week. Yeah. Um, 
the reality is that, you know, this is a relationship with the living God. This is a relationship with the living Lord. And even if it's 20 minutes a day of prayer, that consistency matters. Right. I love the right. example of uh, Vladimir Horowitz, who's a great pianist. Mm-hmm. Um, he has a famous quote. He said, if I skip practice, piano practice for one day, I notice. If I skip practice for two days, my wife notices. If I skip practice for three days, the world notices. Yeah. Um, that when we are consistent in our prayer, praying every day, even if it's for 5, 10, 20 minutes, um, we begin to notice, we really do, um, that the Lord is working. But first we have to show up. You know, exactly what you were saying about the consistency. Here's what entered my mind is that I frequently am telling my kids, my the kids that I'm teaching, that uh, right. you know, prayer is like breath. You know, And so we as Christians, as followers of the Lord, we need to be breathing prayer. And, uh, you know, you think about it, you don't, <laughs> you don't, uh, you know, really breathe extraordinarily deeply, taking great gulps and gasps of air for an hour <laughs> a week and then never breathe right. again for the rest of the week. Right. So I think exactly. it fits Good in. Example. Yeah. Well, I think so. I'm, yeah, we'll see, but maybe I'll, maybe I'll try that on them today. We'll see what happens there. We're talking about teaching young people to pray with our spiritual director, Father Tim Anastas, who's the associate chaplain at the St. John Paul II Newman Center at the University of Illinois, Chicago, and a Eucharistic revival preacher. And we're taking your suggestions as well and your thoughts on teaching young people to pray. What's an effective way of doing that? Have you seen your your child or maybe somebody, a child in your life who is growing, a, uh, a student in your life who is growing in their life of prayer? What's helping them do that? Give us a call at 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. Or our email address is innerlife at relevantradio.com. The Inner Life with Patrick Conley. Is it possible to two Utes? Oh, what was that word? Did you say Utes? Yeah, two Utes. What is a Ute? Excuse me, Your Honor. To youths on relevant radio, <laughs> we're back with the inner life. Little, little humor from my cousin Vinny there, from our producer Nick Sendovich. My thanks to him and also Thomas Angerser, who's taking your phone calls today. My name is Patrick Conley. We're speaking with our spiritual director, Father Tim Anastas, about teaching young people to pray. And Father, you had two great recommendations there. One is just showing up, right? Showing up for prayer. Secondly, right. you were talking about consistency. And uh, any other tips that you might give for young people and how they might move deeper into prayer or how we can help our youth, youths, (laughs) youths move deeper into prayer? (laughs) Yeah, for the, for the youths. Yeah, definitely. I would say, uh, the, the one thing that I have seen that is most effective, and I don't want to say that this is the model for everyone because, you know, prayer shouldn't be a program. It should be, you know, a relationship. It should be your honest, vulnerable relationship with Jesus. But honestly, the most effective, especially for college kids, um, way of praying is Lexio Divina. Um, for those who may not know, Lexio Divina is, is basically just opening up scripture and allowing the Lord to, to speak to us with our thoughts, our feelings and desires about the passage. Um, it is so powerful because for college kids and for young people, they are so distracted all the time. It is, it really is. Uh, it is very difficult um, to be able to sit still in silence and just close your eyes and have a conversation with God. 
Um, and so to help train them to understand their interior movements and their emotions, their passions, everything that's going on um, is to have something in front of them that they can read. And what better than the word of God um, that, you know, they read a passage about Jesus and um, they can, maybe there's a question that they have, why did Jesus do that? Um, or there's a word or phrase that stands out. And then all of a sudden they're having a conversation with Jesus about that word or mm -hmm. about or just ask, even asking Jesus, like, why did you do this? Why did you put your hands in this? You know, why did you spit in the dirt and then spread it over this person? You know, why, why Jesus, why are you, did you do this thing? Um, and then all of a sudden they're having a conversation with, with the Lord and it's, it really is beautiful. So um, one thing going with that is I would really encourage young people if they want to do Lexio Divina, the church gives us a gospel passage every single day. Um, at mass, there's a new gospel passage. And so to read the gospel for the day is the best thing because you can read it through, you can reflect on that, that passage. And then if you go to mass that day, then all of a sudden you're hearing that passage again at mass. And then you, again, you hear a priest talking about that passage. Then you're actually living the life of the church. You're, you're breathing, um, the word of God throughout your day. So uh, just in my limited experience with college kids, that is probably the, what I've seen is the most effective ways is, is Lexio Divina is diving into scripture can really yeah. help young people to pray. Yeah. And I know that, you know, obviously you can, you can extend a Lexio Divina time, but it doesn't need to be lengthy either. Right. I mean, right. just reading through right. the passage and taking a bit of time for reflection. Um, so, I mean, what are we talking? Maybe five minutes, 10 minutes, yeah, I would say, honestly, I would say 10 minutes is good. Five minutes is the amount of time that you give to someone that you might not like being around. You'll give them five <laughs> minutes. <laughs> but 10 minutes, yeah, I think 10 minutes is just a, enough time to be able to read through and then hone in on a word or a phrase or something that Jesus does that you can just share your heart with him. Like, why, yeah. why is this affecting my heart? Um, it can be yeah, really helpful. We are giving an hour to our new spiritual director, Father Tim, and asked us today on teaching young people how to pray. If you have a way that you have discovered that really helps young people enter more deeply into prayer, give us a call at 888-914-9149. Back to the phones we go. Martha calling in from Miami, Florida. Martha, welcome. Hello. Thank you. So I just have a comment and a question. So yeah. the first part is like, I remember when I was little, like one thing that really inspired me to pray was just seeing my parents doing it like every night and after that like I just took on it and as well like pray every night because like you see them do it like inspire you something different like it's not the same thing that somebody just sees you to see them doing it and the question is like with the rosary I still have some troubles because it's like a roller coaster to be honest some days are easier than others and the thing is like for example I get a really good strike like months of doing it but then comes that one day that i cannot pray here, and then i go weeks and weeks and it's really hard just to get started and what do you guys recommend yeah thank you for sharing that and uh yeah i i love that image of being able to pray um every night it that that idea of consistency that this is the time when i pray um this is and and then you can receive the lord um in that consistency it becomes yeah, a habit. So that's beautiful. And as for the rosary, um, I think, I think that's, 
a totally fine thing. Um, my spiritual director, um, when I was in seminary, um, he's, he's now a bishop, but even now, like he's, he always shares that he, there are seasons in his life where he prays the rosary. Um, but then there are other seasons of his life where he doesn't. And, um, there is no guilt. There is no like scandal in that, that, um, right now this season is really fruitful for him to pray the rosary and to be with our lady. Um, and then another season of his life, maybe it's, it's more of diving into scripture or Eucharistic adoration. Um, so first and foremost, I would just encourage you, yeah, um, reject any shame. Like if, if there's a season in your life where, yeah, the rosary isn't as fruitful, that's, that's totally okay. Um, so yeah, that's, that's my first encouragement to you. Yeah. Wonderful. Thank you, Martha. Thank you for the phone call. Let's go now to Maria calling in from New Mexico. Maria, welcome to the inner life. Thanks for calling in. Thank you. Um, I just wanted to tell you a little story about when I was about five or six years old my mother gave me the prayer before the crucifix. And so she told me to pray it before the crucifix. <laughs> and I thought it was to pray it before the crucifix prayed, you know, not in front of, but before the crucifix. And so I would kneel before the crucifix, in front of the crucifix, and wait to get some kind of signal that the crucifix was going to pray or that Jesus was going to pray. And so I could get my prayer in before he did. <laughs> so um, it was kind of crazy. You know, I wanted to pray before the crucifix prayed. But um, anyway, waiting like that for me got me kind of started as a child um, into like a contemplative prayer. Because I would just kneel there and look at the crucifix waiting for it to pray. Wow, thank you for sharing that, Maria. That's very beautiful. And I love how you mentioned the prayer before the Eucharist because one of our students here, um, he's one of our altar servers at the Newman Center. He has a little prayer card that has prayer before the uh, crucifix. He always prays that prayer. Um, so yeah, that's very beautiful. And honestly, I, I love that because it's just revealing that, you know, you, you there with Jesus wanting the crucifix to pray. It's this beautiful reality that Jesus is pursuing you he's like he's going after you he's the one who makes the first move um and to all of us in our hearts that we just have to we re, we get to receive him and we how amazing is it that god is the one who makes the first move thank you so much maria oh i like that god is the one who makes the first move as he always does but good reminder father maria thank you for the telephone call thank you for the the instruction and the tips, and that's a good thing, too. I'll tell you, here's a little story from my life, Father, is that uh, my third and fourth graders at the Catholic school where I teach religion, they recently said to me, one of them said to me, I have I have nothing in my house that's religious. And I said, well, that's got to change, right? I'm thinking, that's what I'm thinking. So <laughs> so um, I, I went and just, you know, very inexpensive, just small crucifixes that they could hang on a wall. And I gave each, one to each of them. And they were so excited to receive those. We had Father bless mm -hmm. them. And it was just a, it was a great little just saw them come alive at, at receiving these gifts, and I'm hoping that they're all somewhere visible. But maybe just a brief word about sacramentals, too, as, you know, again, children, teenagers, youth, adults, uh, young adults. I mean, sacramentals are helpful, too, yeah? Right, absolutely. Sacramentals, like, reveal the reality of this 
the eternal love story that Jesus has for us. I, and especially with young people, young people love things that are like otherworldly and things that are sacred, things that are not normal because they live their lives in such, in this like normal world where they are just grasping for, yeah, sacramentals and, and incense and Latin. I can't, I can't believe how many young people um, yeah. love to pray the song. They love the Sanctus. They'd rather do the Sanctus at mass um, here at the Newman center than like doing the Holy, Holy, Holy. Hmm. Like there's, there's this desire because they're in such the uh, living in a world that is so uh, normal um, that they, they want stuff that is elevated. Some things that transcend just humanness. Hmm. And so sacramentals, I would really, really encourage um, sacramentals um, for, for young people because it can it, remind them of the, yeah, the sacredness of Jesus. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And um, so now uh, I've already, I'm already thinking we've got a whole second show lined up here now, Father, too, about the transcendence of God and specifically um, for our young people, too. And maybe this is just our closing, a closing word from you on this before we ask for your blessing is that, right. you know, we see this, we see this around, we see a lot of young people who are kind of turning to uh, Latin, turning to anything that are, right. seem out of the ordinary. Do you think that's partially because they're growing tired of the normal world, so to speak? Absolutely. Tired of the normal world. There's more and more like you see this, um, especially in affluent cultures the more and more comfortable we are, the more and more we become restless. Um, and we need other, we need very beautiful otherworldly things to kind of shock us into the reality of, of the eternal. So it totally makes sense that young people are desiring more and more um, sacred. Mm -hmm. um, also, like when the church tries to be modern and when the church tries to like be, I don't know what the word is. Yeah. Contemporary. It just seems lame to young people because contemporary, they can go to like rock concerts that are way better than, um, guitar masses. You know, why would they do that when the church does it in a lame way? They want the realness, you know? So that, at least that's what I've seen. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great point, father. Well, father, Tim Anastas has been our spiritual director today as we've been talking about teaching young people how to pray. Father, we always like to end the shows with a blessing from our priest spiritual directors. So if you would, please. Lord Jesus Christ, give you thanks and praise for this hour, this hour where you have revealed just a deeper love for us that you are always pursuing us. I ask you to send your powerful Holy Spirit, your love upon everyone who is listening. Um, and all of their families, that you may remind them that they are safe, that they are loved, that they are seen, that they are known by you. And may Almighty God bless you, the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Teaching young people to pray is what we've been talking about. If you missed any part of the program, go to relevantradio.com slash inner life, and you can re-listen and share it there with others. Coming up next, the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass with our celebrant Father Ed Looney. Tomorrow, dealing with doubt. Until then. Grace and peace.